welcome back to the Pause and Effect podcast, where we delve deep into the world of pets, their health, behavior, and their nutrition. I'm Dr. Kara, your host and a dedicated veterinarian. Today, we're in for a treat as we welcome a special guest, the one and only Matty, the dog trainer. Not only is he an expert in dog training and behavior, he's also a prolific online course creator and content producer. Welcome back to the Pause and Effect podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kara, and I'm here with Matt. Hey again. <laughs> Thank you. We had such a fascinating conversation um, that tapped into some of your background, um, but you know, off air, <laughs> we've yes. been talking a little bit more and I thought it's so informative. It's nice to know what your origin is and where a lot of your, your knowledge and your inspiration comes from yeah so over time I've like learned to actually share a little bit more about the story and so we'll go there and we can see where it goes but I've always grown up with animals and like I've actually been training dogs for over 20 years believe it or not which is saying yeah, something <laughs> thank you thank you um so yeah I started when I was really young around uh, eight or nine um and what had happened is I had this really cute little wide haired dash hound that my dad and I went fishing the one day um, and he had a boat and we'd go off at the old Durban ski boat club. And on our way back, there were some guys that had this really young puppy and um, they were selling him for 40 or selling her for like 40 rand. Um, and my dad was like, OK, we can't like we'll take this pup and we'll take and we'll go to the SPCA. Uh, needless to say, the dog never went to the SPCA and moved in. <laughs> and she was a little wide-haired dachshund that we named Penny. Um, well, we call her a wide-haired dachshund because that's what she looked like. But whether okay. that's what she was or not, who knows. Um, and, yeah, I grew up with her and I had a little Jack Russell. And one day my gran um, had invited me to this SPCA fun day in Belito. And I took Penny with, and we had this fancy dress thing of like, you're supposed to make your dog look alike. So I made myself try to look like a wide head dash hound and like dressed her up. And, um, and I can't even remember. I think we got like third place there or something. It was very sweet. But what had happened is they had a agility, a dog agility demonstration. And I was called out the crowd to handle somebody else's dog, like as a, just as something to experience. I don't know there was something magic when that happened, I remember the dog's name. It was Sonic. It's still a friend of mine, Yuta's dog. He's passed now, but that, you know, and there was just, I never had felt more alive. Um, and it's I don't know, and it's a very bizarre thing to fall in love with, like, mm -hmm. it's, but there was just something within me that felt intrinsically connected. And uh, I got their number um, and I ended up getting lessons with my friend Yuta. And you actually might know her, Taryn Murphy. Uh, oh, yes, of course. So, <laughs> so exactly. Um, and yeah, so Taryn and really over time, I started training a lot with Taryn and my wide haired dash hound that was now doing agility, right? Like going over the, these little jumps. Yeah. I was like the youngster that was in the sport. And I think my parents were like, oh, here goes another, another sport. And they're like, you know, this isn't just like a baseball bat or a cricket bat, mm -hmm. like, you know, it's a living, breathing animal. And through that, I really started getting a connection with dogs. Um, and then I really got the bug to like start competing. And as even though I was a little wide dash on, she was actually doing not half bad, you know what I mean? And um, I then, for my birthday, my parents said that I could get a, a border collie, my first border collie um, to compete with. And her name was Tango. And she was a catalyst for so many different things in my life. Um, at that point, I was going through some really tough stuff. I was uh, in a mainstream school and then was put into a remedial school, which, you know, 
hindsight 2020 is almost like a strength you know what mm. i mean but at that time it also makes you feel like you're mm. stupid like you know as a child that's what i had internalized and being able to work with these dogs was the first part of where i actually started seeing a little bit of light and connection i was struggling mm. to make friends um probably didn't have the best social etiquette and it was, it was just really really difficult um and even when I was younger, my, my mom was having me do um, like OT and we had like these brain gyms and I was doing like so much stuff just to be able to get my brain to function correctly so I could go back into a mainstream school. And what was really interesting is when I started doing agility was the coordination that came from having to be able to like have to do agility. And there's my, my coach, Taryn, will still she'll still laugh about when I was younger and I'd have to stand on her feet. Right. And she'd hold my hands <laughs> and she'd have to guide me through the motions. Right. And then there was, I don't know, maybe six months into this, there was just something that connected, like the left and right hemispheres of my brain mm. actually connected and I could start processing like logical information along with creative information. Um, and yeah, I, I, myself with my border collie, we were really young. Um, in South Africa, we don't have a junior category, so I was competing against adults. Oh, wow. And I went on to uh, win nationals, um, our KwaZulu Natal championships, and then went to, uh, made it onto uh, the world team one year. I competed at the junior world championships um, where I finished seventh in the one round and ninth in the other. And from there, like my sort of agility career kind Just of exploded. Um, and even then I was still in high school. I was still struggling through a lot of things. And I came across uh, this course that was called Mindscape. Um, and at that time, the agility for me was very much around competition, right? It was like training every single day. And I had a great relationship with my dog, but I'd taken this course called Mindscape, which was all about developing your intuition. It was like a two-day two course. And there was just something that once again changed that was so dynamic on where it wasn't just this agility for me was no longer just about competing and winning it was about this partnership that I had with my dog and since then that's been such a part of what's driven me forward of like having this beautiful relationship where there's like true connection and it's not just like oh we have a dog at home and or my dog competes or just the family dog but where there was this actual intrinsic connection that's really difficult to even describe uh, with words and then I went into university and I wasn't focusing so much with my dogs and I went on to study um, filmmaking and um, and from there we got started into a marketing career and, and so on and the dogs kind of, I wouldn't say, they didn't take a back seat, I always adored my dogs. And then um, just before the pandemic, um, Tango passed away, she got older um, and I had another border collie at the time and I was training her. and. It was yeah, just a really, really difficult time. And I was down in Cape Town um, working on a project and there was a fire in um, Massey informal settlement and it had wiped out uh, like 300 homes. There was like hundreds of dogs displaced. It was just uh, like crazy. Dreadful. Yeah, really hectic. Um, and the rescue center that, that services that area was asking for help and I went there and helped. Um, and there was something that just reignited my love for being able, I mean, it was, it's horrific to deal with animals in that situation, but of that desire to give back. And there was 
I was didn't really process it. And only at that time did I really process what had happened with me and Tango because we had such a hard connection. Losing her, I just didn't. Just suppressed and carried yeah. on. Yeah. And I didn't say this earlier, but she's like one of, when I was younger and, you know, when you're going through stuff like being ADD and ADHD and having these labels and even to the point of being diagnosed on the spectrum, which is interesting because I don't necessarily see everything the same way as other people do. I see things as pictures. So when someone mm -hmm. says something, I can see the entire film playing out, right? But not necessarily the, the words or the actual scenarios. So it's always been difficult to process that. And, and I think that also brings in the complexity of not always being able to process emotions that well. And so I really had hardened myself up with that. And when I went into working at this rescue, it was some, it was heartbreaking for me, but at the same time, something like totally unlocked. And from there, it's just been a drive for me to start helping and moving out of just the dog agility, but helping pet dog owners have that amazing relationship. Mm -hmm. And what had come from that was working in a rescue, you can realize that there's a problem, that people are getting dogs, right? And for whatever reason, they're ending up there. And I think not, it's not the only reason, but the, probably the biggest social issue here is people not having the education to be able to help the dogs. When I say help the dogs, like train the dogs. So, so does it not start with that desire of particularly, I see it here in South Africa, of having access to the most beautiful breeds. Yes. And people select based on a look yeah. and not necessarily a behavioral trait. trait. Or a, you know. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I I am to blame for this. I I loved um, bull terriers. I've always thought they were fascinating looking dogs. I quite like their spunk. Yeah. And I, um, I'm the owner of a bull terrier and it ha she has been really, really challenging. Yeah. And obviously now, and that's from someone who is involved and is educated in sort of pet yeah. care. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, you make that mistake because you go, oh, they're so cute or they're so beautiful or they need a home, you're doing them a favor or whatever it may be. And you end up with ultimately a problem rather than going, this breed is probably not suited for my lifestyle. Yep. Yeah. And... You know, and I don't think people should be made wrong for that, right? It's literally a product of circumstances of education, right? We don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And I, that's why I don't even have judgment for people that have to surrender their dogs to a rescue center. What I'm moving towards is like, let's, let's educate people so that they can make better choices, mm -hmm. right? So you know that in the future, don't do that again. You know what I mean? Or Absolutely. understand what you're, like, you're getting into. Mm -hmm. And so many times these you know, dogs are getting put into rescues because because of that one of people wanting beautiful looking dogs or they they rescue a dog but they just can't handle it right mm. or the, the dogs just get completely out of control it's devastating the like i've been in a couple of consults where you can kind of feel like you know either the dog's going or i'm going you know, like you know like in yep. the family dynamics Absolutely. like where it's like yep. it's hectic or and what I'm what, with my work is what I'm wanting to do is have a softer approach where it's not just like, oh, dog training and fix this problem, but really mm -hmm. for people to build a relationship with their dog, like the relationships I have with mine, where they're not just 
a dog, but you actually see another being. You know, mm. if you actually take a moment, I'm not saying stare into a dog's eyes because it's not necessarily the best. <laughs> no, they can sometimes get like the best. You might not get the best response from them, but there's that if you take like a soft gaze and you mm. just acknowledge mm. that there is another being there, it, it just shifts. Good for both of you. Exactly. Yeah. And it just shifts your perspective. It's, yeah, it's quite I beautiful. love that. And, but I want to take this opportunity yeah. to ask your opinion on this emerging trend of becoming a fur parent, having a fur baby. <laughs> um, and I, I say that loosely because we've, you know, we've obviously had a lot of discussion about this yep. throughout the podcast, but um, I, I'm very much having a family pet yep. um, because I'm very concerned about the behavioral aspect. Um, you know, yep. Having a dog sleeping in the bed is all well good, yep. but when they start attacking the husband, <laughs> they don't want him to get in the bed, they want to be with you. you yep. So uh, like, what are your feelings about, so, you know, obviously it's education from saying connect, but connect only so far like where is the balance so i don't think that there's that you need to put in a boundary for connection right like i think where you truly want to step into acknowledging the big like that's that's the same thing with a human being that you truly love you don't need mm -hmm. to have a boundary on the connection but you might have some boundaries around some rules of things that work for you and, and don't work for you your dog sleeping in your bed or not is a boundary, but it doesn't make you less connected to them mm -hmm. if that's your relationship. Do you, you get yeah. what I mean? Like that's not, for me, that's not a, a deciding factor. Mm -hmm. I, I have no issue with dogs sleeping in the bedroom, like, or on the bed, but for a prime example with that, they can off, some dogs might be totally chilled with it. Other dogs, it might be considered resource guarding, right? Where they're now resourcing, like resource owning the person. Mm -hmm. So it is a very, when I say that, and thank you for bringing it up so it is clear, when I'm saying have a deep connection with your dog, I'm also not not promoting having a, a connection where you're not, where you're not like acknowledging that you're living with a different species, right? Like there needs to be that where you've got the boundary that because what that's also going to happen is if you coddle them and you give them and it's not about giving them too much attention but if you do stuff like every single time you come home and you give a big fuss and you're like oh I'm so excited mm -hmm. to see you and all of that kind of stuff that's when you start creating behavioral problems like separation anxiety or uh, they jump up each time when they see you so it's a very fine line uh, it's a very fine line but I think you can have both like so do you, would you put I mean I'm trying to sort of relate it yep. to sort of some personal boundaries that people are to struggle with yeah you know it's like having a friend and you're saying I'm here every time like when you need me call me and they just you know harass you it's 10 11 o'clock I mean they're your friends but they yep. harass you and so the boundary is like well okay I need to maybe say to you listen I need to get some sleep now um let's chat tomorrow so the same kind of boundaries you put Abs in in terms of connecting Absolutely. It's yes, like you don't love your friend any less. Yes. <laughs> like, but you say you cannot phone me at 11. Like you yeah. can phone me. You can phone me at 11 p.m. at night if, if there's, there's an emergency. emergency yeah. You know what I mean? But you yeah. can't phone me at 11 p.m. to say because you've had three too many margaritas and you're like drunk calling. You know what I mean? Like it's like that's not the fun. Like, yeah. but So it's boundaries generally. Generally. And, and do you find people who have bad personal boundaries have bad boundaries with their pets? Not always, but what I, what I have found is people that are not willing to lead, right? And by lead, I don't mean dominating or like power over. I mean, truly just giving you the dog the correct information. Um, 
people that ha- struggle with that mm. struggle with their dogs. Or give mixed messages. Give mix- like, and are not consistent. Be- exactly. Hot yeah. and cold. That that for me is a big problem. Uh, but I don't... Um, I often see what happens is people that struggle with people relationships often have dogs. They don't doesn't always necessarily equate to having behavioral problems mm. all the time. Mm. Um, but I think if those people aren't willing to lead their dogs, that's when stuff really goes, you know, it doesn't goes a little bit south. And now a word from our amazing sponsors who make the Pause and Effect podcast possible. To make a promise implies trust. To make a pledge creates expectation. And to make a commitment initiates responsibility. For more than 25 years, we have made it our mission to take the ifs, buts, and maybes out of premium pet food. That's why our experts put the best science behind our food, so your pet's health is put first. That's why when you seek value, we strive to give you more, like protecting your pets with our free accident benefits. And when you need great tasting food, our fresh meat taste delivers. You see, what sets us apart is not one thing, it's all these things combined. Because we understand that when it comes to your pet's health, you don't want doubt and uncertainty. You want absolutes, the absolute best given your means, like premium veterinary quality food of real value that doesn't cost an arm and a paw. So rest assured that any claim we make, we stand by. It's our commitment to your pets and our promise to you. In fact, we're so confident in what we stand for that we have made the ultimate promise to you. It's called the Ultra Pet Promise, a 100% money back guarantee, a no ifs, no buts, and no maybes kind of promise. We call it our satisfaction guarantee. Welcome back to Just For Pets. You're with Dr. Cara. Hi, Doc. It's Chuck and the Jack Ross here, and boy am I itchy. Are you on a hypoallergenic diet? Hyper what now? Changing to a special diet will really help. And Just For Pets have a massive range. And flea and tick medication, special shampoo. Oh, how quick can you get some? Order today and we'll deliver pronto. I feel better already. Justforpets.co.za Vet approved, pets adored. Get it all to your door. Let's get back to our conversation on the Pause and Effect podcast. So, I mean, I, like, I was very grateful. I was given some great advice in terms of, I'm talking now, <laughs> the Bull Terrier. Yeah. So she, and it's one of the biggest gifts. And I mean, there's a lot of problems, still got a lot to work on. But um, we have this agreement. Yeah. Uh, Piglet. <laughs> Is no, her name Piglet? Piglet. Oh, I love that. She was very piggy <laughs> when I first took on. She I'm was five weeks. I love that. And very, very sick. Um, yeah, that's what yeah. happens when you let your child name your dog. Um, <laughs> was this Charlie? <laughs> this Charlie. <laughs> I love that. Charlie naming Piglet. <laughs> yeah. um, so one of the things I got right very early on with the help of yep. um, a, a dog trainer was that she sat for affection. So obviously I love the, yep. we spoke about it before in our previous podcast about high value rewards and yep. then ultimately sort of being able to kind of tone it down. And so she now knows, yes, she's obviously if I've been gone and I've been away and I come back and she's super excited that escalation of energy. Yep. But generally she now knows that in order to get love, she has to sit so, Yeah. rather than that jump, jump, jump. Yep. And that kind of little, small little change has made such a difference yep. um, to 
just the quality of like arriving back and not, you know, not having her jump, jump over people and because they're strong. Absolutely. And so this is why I like, I, I love what you're doing because those things, and this is a small example, you know, ultimately like even say a dog that would bite you or whatever and get yep. excited. Those are the kind of things that can end up in a situation where you may have to euthanize the dog. They do yeah, that yeah. to a stranger or a child. Yeah. And so, you know, the, there, there are some sort of life death Things. situations totally yeah absolutely so with the work that you're doing what are the, what are your limitations where do you say okay look this is like you said before i'm i'm very happy to train i'm very happy to advise i'm you know i'm there for people um but this is now beyond me yeah i mean there's i would never put a boundary in for someone asking me that question right like you can mm. bring me any case and i'll tell you whether i can i can help you with it or not there's you know, when it's happened once, that's something that I can, I can I can potentially help you with. But when it's something that is progressed over time and um, it's always something that is such a case, like a case-by-case case case case. basis. It's so talk, difficult maybe a, to like... Maybe a biter. A biter, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's use a case example. You know, obviously, because it's very scary when we have... There, there are certain um, colleagues who will be like, no, no, that dog needs to be put to sleep. You know, and if they buy a child, the responsibility, if they, you know, can you imagine the consequences um, if you have a dog that wants to bite and they're not in the right kind of care that is too risky to not advise yeah. euthanasia? So it is tough, but there's a couple of different reasons why a dog could bite. And this is, so I wouldn't be able to make a broad statement without knowing exactly what was going on. But one of the reasons could be fear aggression. So something is triggering the dog that's fearful and then the dog is biting, right? Another one can even be excitement, which is generally not so much a bite, but it's that mouthing, mm -hmm. right? Which can also get out of hand of where they, or they like nip, where they mm -hmm. jump up and like grab the hand. Or, and it's not really a bite, but it's some yeah. breeds of dogs will just yeah, like just do that. <laughs> um, another one can be frustration believe it or not that okay. if a dog can bite out of like just frustration mm -hmm. and the other part could potentially be and this is the one that's difficult and often you can try medication but you know this is where you really need to speak to a veterinarian and a, a animal behaviorist is there is sometimes it's very rare only seen it once before where there's something neurologically wrong with the dog um, and that it's like unrehabilitatable and it would just become like too dangerous even for their own dog and usually those cases display a dog in a, a very unhealthy life in general do you know what I mean they don't have a good quality of life because they're reactive to everything and that for me makes sense of you know mm -hmm. then you need to look at uh, um, you know yeah. uh, making a decision like that but you know one nip however i need a prefix with this with everything is if that if the dog is doing something like that with your family you've really got to manage the situation of where that until you get a behaviorist and, and, and proper and promptly mm -hmm. not like oh i did it once and then oh okay it's done it a second time now we need to get help mm -hmm. first time you need to get help and you also need to manage the situation so that you, that dog doesn't have access to the kids or to the family member that they've bitten and so on, mm -hmm. you know, um, and you have to reach out immediately. I think that is always something that is so, so difficult um, to really say, do this, do this, do this, do this. But, yeah, I've taken yeah. you to the total extreme and yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reel back. No, 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 uh, it's But fine. I didn't no, want to miss fine. that opportunity. Yeah. But, no, you know, I get for it. me, if, if you list on your hands, like yeah. what are the absolute fundamentals that you would say – 
like you would expect everybody to be able to do. And I know we, you touched on this. I know some yeah. of the answers um, with your dog. So, you know, in terms of what are the basic commands that you need to get in place as a priority when you get a dog? Okay. Um, you need to be, have a sit, a down, and a stay. Those are like a solid stay. But okay. what you really need in the beginning are those, those blocks that we talked about in part one where your dog can be calm, focused, has impulse control, because all of those behaviors aren't really going to help you when there's a, a big distraction if you don't have those foundational pieces in place. So even to even circle a little bit back to your aggression question, mm. if you had a dog that was calmer, more focused, optimistic, um, learned how to learn, how much of that aggression could be reduced? Right. So I'm not saying that it would it would fix it. But if you had all of those elements in place, mm -hmm. there's a good chance that, you know, the nine out of 10 is coming down to a four or a, which is manageable a, then. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so those for me are crucial across any any behavior or any dog that you're bringing into your house is that you need to have those foundational steps put into place. Then it needs to be a sit um, a down and a wait and then um, being able to walk on leash big one that I think if to take your dog out for exercise in South Africa we're lucky a lot of people have really big properties mm. but um, you also you advise people try and get out as much as possible totally like it's also it's burns that energy and that totally but also like the like they can go on like a sniff safari I call it like a sniff safari Love right that when they go when they go out and sniff do you know how mentally stimulating that is mm. even if it's they read for, the newspaper exactly <laughs> even if it's like for a 500 meter walk mm. versus the sniffs that they get at home and just being able to go and have that extra it's so good for them mentally. Instagram for dogs. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they like find out TikTok. all the different stories that <laughs> yeah. are, are going on. Um, and then, of course, a recall. Um, for me, it might even be the most important thing mm. to have is your dog to come back when, like, called. There's obviously people that have dogs that don't come back when called, don't generally let them off leash. But, you know, mm. even if you did, or if they, they get escape. loose run out the front gate, you need to be able to say, come back here before they, like, you they know, it can be, exactly, mm -hmm. it's so dangerous or go, like, wandering off somewhere. Mm -hmm. So those for me would be my, um, like, the top top behaviors you have to teach and all actually aren't that complicated when you do it in that, like, game-based approach where you just strategically layer them on top of each other. You can do it in two to three months, mm -hmm. like, of two to three minutes a day of lessons. You know what I mean? It's not, when I say dog training, I don't mean going and training for... Yeah. 30 minutes a day. It's like literally three minutes maybe. And I, my favorite thing to do is train with my dog's uh, food allowance for the day. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they actually have to work to get their, their dinner. Not all of it. Yeah. Like they, like, you know, at the end they get their, their full dinner, but mm. especially people that feed, feed kibble based mm. foods, it's really easy to use straight out of their dinner bowl. Right. And this is that transfer of value we talked about in part one mm. is the value for dinner and the excitement for dinner mm. and for breakfast now gets transferred into the training session and the behavior. So if you do that and you put in and you teach those core behaviors, your, Love it. Your A for away. And and it reduces the reactivity of your dog and the likelihood of aggression, et cetera, when you have those layers um, put in. Absolutely. So your feelings on um, the impact of spaying or castrating mm -hmm. dogs, is it something that you would advise? Um, do you, what kind of impact does it have? Can you? When should you do it? Um, obviously, it's a big thing because when we see very strong, um, you know, high levels of testosterone, yep. um, it can obviously maybe impact behavior. And 
It totally can, but also the jury's really out on that research. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of contradicting, contra contradicting pieces of whether at what age it should be done, whether it really has a significant change or not. However, for me, unless you are a registered dog breeder with in South Africa, the Kennel Union of Southern Africa, or if you're, or if you're um, wherever else in the world through your kennel union, then maybe that's a reason to keep your dogs um, intact. I do not see any value after a certain age. I, I mean, you probably would have a better understanding mm. of this, but I think at a, around after the first season, get your dogs, get your uh, yeah. season or about what, 12 to 18 months with the male once they once they finish to mature and then yeah. uh you know spay and you so there's no point because then mm -hmm. people are having puppies that we've got more than enough dogs and rescues i'm not against having purebred dogs yep. at all i compete with pedigree border collies so i'm not against it at all but if you just want a family pet you really don't need to keep them intact so or breed with them you no, know you know no. what i mean like really <laughs> or risk that or, yeah so i mean if you if you approach by someone and they say look i've got my my rottweiler yep. is entire yeah um would you say well one of the first things you can do is to castrate him because it reduces that you know maybe improves the focus or reduces that kind of escalation beyond dog training i'd say do it full stop do you know what i mean like, like you know what i mean regardless of behavior or, or, or not because we've got way too many dogs yeah. we don't need more this yeah. influences the conversation of what we were talking about okay. with the rescue anyway um but yes i do think that you know i may help it may help to be 100 percent honest like i've seen dogs that have been castrated behavior hasn't hasn't changed I've also seen dogs that have been castrated, massive behavior difference. changes, massive okay, difference. So, so it's, individual it's individual worth a shot. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, unless you've got plans to breed with them, which I just advised probably mm -hmm. shouldn't do that anyway. Mm -hmm. I think, um, yeah, do it. do it. Yeah. And for people who want to take on rescue yes. animals, yes, it's really tricky because obviously, you know, we, we spoke about learn the breed yep. and try and figure out the, yep. the behavioral sort of characteristics and the, the potential problems and, um, now you're going to a rescue and I say, I mean, you may find a pedigree dog and that's fine. You can <laughs> exactly. Google. But you may find a crossbreed. Exactly. How do you pick the correct rescue from a behavioral perspective and how do you get it right? Look, I don't think there's ever getting it right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think there's ever getting it I right. I minimize the risk. Because, well, even, so even like when you're getting a pedigree dog, you can't guarantee what the behavior what the behavior is going to going to be like you know one puppy from one lit from the same litter can be so different from another puppy mm -hmm. so you have to know with what you're getting into is you're training the dog that's in front of you right so when i was saying it's a non-judgmental way of starting starting out, if you can get the information it's just going to inform the way that you're going to train if you see a dog that you're like you know you like when people rescue dogs they often go into it and they're like okay that's they, they just fall in love. They know that there's the connection or for whatever reason, the circumstances, they're getting that dog. Try and find out what the dog is. I mean, you mm. can do, I know like for people, you, you can do DNA, DNA and me. <laughs> yes. You can do that too to find out some, yeah. more, um, some more information if you really want to. But otherwise, you, what you're looking at is a being in front of you and you're training that being with, with the best that you, that you can. Mm. And with bringing home a rescue dog, really shouldn't be that different from bringing home a, like a pedigree puppy like the however i think you need to especially when you're dealing with a dog that's maybe potentially quite a bit older and has been through some stuff 
you need to know that that training is going to take longer. You more than likely are going to have problems that you can't dog train away. And you're going to have to accept that and manage that. So you can't, can you train an old dog? Can an old Absol- dog learn you new absolutely, tricks? <laughs> you absolutely can, but there's going to be finicky things of like, you know, the this dog doesn't like men with hats. Yeah. Say, for example, yeah. like it's, and it's a thing, like the, mm. or like a specific look of a person. Mm. You can do all the dog training through the, you know, like for years, you might, your dog might never get, over that, mm-hmm. you're just going to have to manage it. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't get a rescue dog just because you might get a, you know, one little quirk here or there. It's like, what if you could actually see the beauty in it and mm-hmm. that you're mm-hmm. now helping this dog live its best life? Understanding it. Understanding it. Yeah. And like, wow. that's what being a dog parent is, is where mm-hmm. you can understand the dog that you have. Like you would love your child for their, all their quirks. Their quirks and, yeah. their, like, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> And you can you can do stuff to change like you can do stuff to change it and try and improve it and mm. you know make them more confident and more optimistic around men with hats, mm. but you also might have to accept that it, it might not change and you know that's okay. I mean I've had that with my dogs where there's you know there's certain things that they just they're not okay with that and there's no point in trying to push them through because what a lot of other people might do. And there are dog trainers that say, say, for example, your dog is afraid of um, hats, right? There is a way that you can train your dog to get over it. Mm. But it's something that's often done and it can get done quickly, but it's called flooding. Um, and I don't think it's a very ethical thing to do. You can imagine, say, you're, what's your, what are you really afraid of? Snakes, spiders? Yeah, I'm not that keen on spiders. No, okay, sp- no. not that keen on spiders, but just imagine for a second you're, terif- like, you're terrified, terrified of yeah. spiders or you're terrified of yeah, snakes, I don't right? Want them cr- crawling crawling on me, on, no. right? And you're like, and you're like, you wouldn't even touch one, mm-hmm. right? And I said, oh, you need to get over this fear, so I just put you in a tank with them, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So there's a point where you would stop, you would stop responding, right? And yeah. you go, just apathetic. Exactly. And that, that's exactly what will happen, right? It's, I'm, I'm either going to die or I'm going gonna... to... And this is, what, this is what happens in dog training, right? Okay. Where people go, oh, you see, the dog's now over it. I'm like, no, the dog has actually flooded and can't respond. It's so, it's gone, like you've done now so much damage by doing that. Um, and that's more than likely how the dog's even ended up in the situation of being fearful of, of, of a man with a hat or, or whatever. So... Yeah, that's what I mean. You've got to sometimes accept it because, there, yes, there's a way. There's ways around it. Is it okay to train your dog like that? No, because you wouldn't do that to a person. No. Yeah. No. Absolutely fascinating. <laughs> I love. I love all of this. There's so much to learn, and yeah. I mean, you teach a lot of these principles through your new training app. Yes. Um, and can you please let the listeners who missed out on past one, although I'm sure they're going to go back <laughs> and listen to it, can you give them some information on? what it is, how to get access to it, um, how to get access to you and, um, yeah, and how we can stop being better pet owners. Cool. So, well, I'm Maddie, the dog trainer on Instagram. So that's M-A-T-T-Y, the dog trainer on Instagram. And um, if you go to maddiethedogtrainer.com, you can get onto our wait list for when it opens. It depends when you're watching this. It might already be open. Mm -hmm. If it is, you can jump on there. And... 
yeah, and also if you've got any questions, I know we've talked about about behavioral things, mm -hmm. and it's very complicated to talk about without having a specific case study. Absolutely. So if someone has any of those questions, please feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. Even if I can't specifically help you, or if like my app can't help you, I'm going to give you a reference to even if you're in a different country of organizations that can put you in contact with mm -hmm. behaviorists or specialists. Or um, there's a lot of people in the dog training industry that are specialists in specific problems so, so there's like them. yeah you get people that like specialize in the entire business is around helping dogs with separation anxiety which is beautiful because it's an exceptionally complex topic because there's mm -hmm. like an infinite amount of variations of what could be causing it and you get people that can specifically help you with that i mean we're going to have courses in our mm -hmm. app that are going to help with that but you know when there's severe cases it's you know it you can't necessarily just get on your phone and you know mm. fix it. And I'm gonna ask for a parting gift. Yeah. Um, I want to understand yes. how to not solve it necessarily, but some of the things I need to do to stop dogs barking, because obviously we live in quite a tight community. Yes. And barking is one of the things I'm asked oh, about all the, the time. time. Yeah. And um, I haven't got a clue how I would even approach that. It's actually so. quite simple. <laughs> okay. So first of all, you would need to understand why your dog barks, right? So there's really three things. Excitement, because you've just come home and like they're so happy to see you and they're going off their rocker. So there's that. The other one is fear. Um, so they either fearful of something or they're protecting, they're being protective. And that could be the reason why they're barking or frustrated. So they want something and they're frustrated that they can't get it. Or there's other versions of frustration, but those are the reasons. So it's not that they like their own voices. Well, <laughs> I think sometimes the dogs I do. think it's excessive. <laughs> We're talking about excessive barking. Okay. I think it's very normal for dogs to bark and people shouldn't be upset because their mm -hmm. dogs but it's, bark. Yeah. Right. Continuous like, barking but it's in the middle of the night. Yeah, that, that's, you have to then understand like what is going on. Mm -hmm. So then the next thing is to try and figure out which one of those that there are. But the step before that might even be understanding what is the trigger. So what is the thing before the thing? Mm -hmm. So the thing is like what, what actually triggers the dog to do this. So if you're looking through those three lenses, either fear, excitement, or frustration, it might give you some indication of what, what the triggers are. An easy fix is if you can control the triggers, right? Mm -hmm. Not always possible, right? It could be your dog's barking when your neighbor drives in through the yeah. gate. Or the Not monkeys. Some, the monkeys. <laughs> can't yeah. control those. <laughs> and it's so funny, like, Musimo, <laughs> when I'm doing... Uh, Zoom calls and stuff, and like even my dogs are like barking monkeys, and then I'm like doing a, a like a group class. I'm like, okay, the monkeys are here. I need to go fetch my dogs, and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, guys, there's actual monkeys. Like, because South, Afri like, <laughs> South, South Africans got it, but like when I'm with my overseas clients, they're like, what do you mean? No, I'm like, no, there's like actual monkeys. <laughs> actual monkeys. monkeys. Yeah, oh, no. I'm like on the roof. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, understanding those th those components first. Mm. Then this is what's really interesting is actually if you teach your dogs to bark on cue, so you give it a like a command or a cue to say speak, right, and reward them for barking, you can then also teach them to do the opposite, to stop speaking, right? So you can say so you give them the cue to speak, and then as they stop, you go, stop, and then you give them a reward, <gasps> right? So they understand on so off. On off, on Very off, clever. right? Um, and that's that's really as simple as it is. You reward for them when you when they speak and then when they stop, you give them the cue, stop or whatever you want it to be to mm. get them to stop barking, and then you reward them. This was it might even sound a bit counterintuitive, but this was so uh, hope I'm I'm hope I'm referencing the right person, but uh, Karen Pryor, well I know that she's a really well-known dog trainer. And um, she used to be a SeaWorld trainer. 
and in one of her books, she was describing an issue with where the dolphin, they were having a dolphin that during their shows would just dive to the bottom of the pool and would just lie there at the bottom of the pool and they couldn't get it to like come back up, which you can imagine. And back, way back when SeaWorld was a big thing, it was like a, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was like, embarrassing to like, it. yeah, it's like oh, exactly or something, right? <laughs> So what they did is they came up with this idea to do that on cue. So they would send the dolphin to the bottom of the pool to lie down for two seconds and then come back up, right? Mm -hmm. And it would be a cue and completely eliminated wow. the behavior. Um, so it's a very easy way to do it. Oh, I'm and so glad I asked you. Yeah. So <laughs> those are your two, your two solutions is That's figure good. out what the trigger, the trigger is and then try and remove the trigger if you can. Then you don't have to worry about the training part. That's management. But if you need to train it, mm. teach them to speak. It's a cool little party trick too. Mm. And then teach them to stop speaking. So when they barking excessively, yeah, you can say, yeah. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> Quiet. We polite to our dogs. We don't Quiet. say shut up. Yeah, we don't <laughs> Yeah, no, I know everyone does, so don't worry. There's like moments in my life too where you're like, oh my word, you know, <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. great advice. Thank you Amazing. so much. I'm really grateful. Thank you so much for your time today. It's thank been you. really informative. I'm really yeah. excited to share this with the listeners. Yeah. And, and thank I'm, you for having me. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And I really look forward to us chatting again. Yes, we'll make it happen. Uh, definitely. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Today, we've had the pleasure of exploring the world of pets and delving into behavior and training to maximize your pet's potential with our incredible guest, Matthew Cooperwaith, a.k.a. Maddie the Dog Trainer. His expertise in dog training and behavior, along with his role as an online course creator and content producer, has truly given us a lot to work on as pet owners. It's been a fascinating journey and we hope you've gained some valuable insights. But before we say goodbye, I want to invite all our listeners to connect with me on social media as The Ultra Pet Vet. Please like, subscribe and share the podcast. If you have any questions or experiences to share, don't hesitate to reach out. Join us next week for another exciting episode. And until then, give your pets a warm hug from me. Thank you for being part of the Pause and Effect podcast community. We have an exciting announcement to make. We are looking for guest speakers who are passionate about the pet industry and sponsors to support future episodes. Are you an expert in pet training, nutrition or behaviour? Maybe you're a veterinarian with insights to share, a pet store owner with unique experiences or a pet product inventor. We want to hear from you. The Pause and Effect podcast is a platform for industry professionals like you to showcase your knowledge, experiences and stories. As a guest speaker on our podcast, you'll have the opportunity to share valuable information, engage with our audience, and have your voice heard in the pet community. Whether you want to discuss training techniques, emerging pet care trends, or the importance of mental stimulation for pets, we want to feature you and your expertise. So, if you're passionate about pets and have something to say, we invite you to join us on an upcoming episode of the Pause and Effect podcast. But wait, that's not all. The Pause and Effect podcast is also seeking sponsors to support our mission of educating and entertaining pet lovers worldwide. By becoming a sponsor, you'll gain exposure to our engaged audience and have your brand associated with the love and care that we have for our four-legged friends. If you own a pet-related business, offer pet products or services, or simply want to align your brand with our pet-loving community, we'd love to partner with you. As a sponsor, your brand will be featured prominently in our episodes and our social media channels. It is a great opportunity to showcase your offerings to a dedicated audience of pet enthusiasts. So whether you're an expert in the pet industry looking to share your knowledge or a business seeking to reach a pet-loving audience, we want to hear from you. 
To apply as a guest or to inquire about becoming a sponsor of the Pause and Effect podcast, please contact me at drkara at pauseandeffect.co.za. Get in touch and let's discuss the various opportunities. Thank you for joining us today. We can't wait to welcome our future guest speakers and sponsors to the Pause and Effect podcast. Remember, every episode is an opportunity to celebrate our four-legged friends.